Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. Today I'm joined by my friend and fellow podcaster, Rosie Parent. Now, I'm excited to share this conversation with you today, but before we jump in, I just wanted to remind you all, the whole point of this show is for me to listen intently to the people that I know. And I'd like to encourage you to take just five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Rosie Parent, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you, Alex. I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. It's exciting to have you here, uh, another podcaster, um, which kind of leads me into my first question, which is, how do we know each other? <laughs> yeah, that's always the first question. Uh, through podcasting. Yeah. I mean, we essentially met on Twitter, which is such a weird thing to say. Yeah, yeah. It's And you're not the first person for that, like, to be on the show where it's like, yeah, we met through the internet. Yeah. And uh, which is really exciting that that we're able to build these relationships and and meet people and uh, and interact with people because you're across the country. So, yeah, I'm in Canada. It's so cool. Got to meet fellow Canadians, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, so it's always cool to meet another Canadian podcaster. Uh, so why don't we start jumping into... Um, a little bit about your life. So why don't you tell us where you're from? I'm in northern Ontario, which is a province in Canada, for those who don't know. Mm -hmm. It is the one next to Quebec, towards the west. So not towards yeah. the water. We're very far from, you know, oceans and stuff. And Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I... <laughs> Sorry. No, no I, was just, I was just thinking, oh, yeah, like I guess Ontario would be, you know, kind of far from... The yeah, ocean, fresh like lobster here is like four days old, maybe five days old. <laughs> so it's really? not very fresh. Well, I mean, they they put them in water, so you know. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's very different than West Coast or East Coast. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, it would be. Uh, so, are you originally from Ontario? Yeah, yeah. I was born and raised here. I'm part of the Franco-Ontarian wow. community, so I'm part of six hundred thousand okay. francophones outside of Quebec in Ontario. Really. Mm -hmm. So what's like? What's that that community like? So the area you grew up in was it mostly francophone? Yeah, yeah, I would say it was probably yeah. seventy percent French when I grew up here. Really? Yes, but Canadian French, wow. of course, for those who are outside right. of Canada. <laughs> it's confusing right. for outside of yeah, every, outside of Canada. <laughs> yeah, every every I've noticed whenever I meet somebody who is uh, a French speaker from another country, it's always totally different. Right there's like all these different versions of African French, mm -hmm. and then there's France French, and there's Quebec, and they're like every French is totally <laughs> different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was that experience like growing up for you in a very like it must have been a very bilingual community? Yeah. So where I am, I grew up outside of the sort of the big city. It's not that big, but we call it the big city. And it's a solid yeah. 30 minutes or so outside. I grew up on acreage, so lots of country. Um, oh, pretty nice. much not a lot around you besides houses very far spread apart. But I had my cousin right. who was actually my neighbor. Neighbor being, you know, about 10 houses worth down if you were to put it on a street. So it's pretty far. Right. You know, it's yeah. like a 15 minute walk to the next house kind of thing. Um, so did so you spend a lot of time with family then? Yeah, yeah. My dad's uh, from a very, very big francophone family, like fourteen kids. Okay. So. Really. Lots of cousins, lots of aunts, lots of uncles. Yep. 
that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And did they all kind of stick around that area? No, most of them went to Quebec. <laughs> most oh, of really? them left Ontario to go to French or French. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So, okay, so I'm curious about this. I've never been to Quebec, and mm -hmm. I, I've never been to Ontario or even Manitoba. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, a ways out. Um, but I'm curious, what what is the culture like um, between the Francophone and the Anglophone and... How, how do you interact and what's the mixture like? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I mean, I grew up in a time before internet because I'm quite older, right. much older than you. <laughs> um, so essentially, I mean, my whole family is Francophone. I, I'll keep saying mm -hmm. French probably, and I don't mean French, French, I mean Canadian French, but my whole family is Francophone. I didn't learn English until I was maybe, I don't know, eight or nine. I didn't read till I was really? 11 or 12 um, in English, meaning... I was completely yeah. French and you just kind of stick together. I mean, I was in an all French school, a, you know, all French church, just French community. Uh, the bilingualism came through when I used to, you know, go to town, quote unquote. And uh, yeah. then you meet more English people. But in your own sort of nuclear right. community, it's very Francophone. Or it was in my day. It's changed quite a bit since then. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That's interesting. Um, and so are there any, any interesting, I guess, cultural or, um, linguistic, uh, differences, like yeah, things that are. you and your family <laughs> and your Francophone community did that was maybe a little strange or different from, uh, the rest of the Anglophone community well, there are, in Canada? There are a lot of like, linguistically, there are a lot of dialectical differences between Ontario, right. even in parts of Ontario, obviously that'd be like going from one city to another anywhere in Canada, even in, you know, 30 miles apart or 30 kilometers apart, whatever, you'll have dialectical right. differences. So there, there is that here. Um, I can usually tell what part of Ontario they're from. So it's, it's right. striking enough. Um, definitely can tell when they're from Quebec. Now on the yeah. flip side, we get, when we go to Quebec, when the Ontario, the Franco-Ontarians go to Quebec, we do get the, oh, well, you're English. No, we're not English. We just have a different accent. Our accents right um, what linguistically is considered archaic so my dad comes from a very very tiny town and he was part of a he, he grew up in a pocket community of archaic french meaning the french that was brought over from france you know when it was colonized okay. so it's very very old right french yeah yeah so i have a bit of that and my mom's from a bigger city so i kind of have a mixture in french of you know small small town archaism with big city french so it's kind of a bizarre mix Right. So, and it's, and it's distinct enough that when you go to like Montreal, that people would be able to tell. Oh, they like, know I'm oh, not from Quebec. Oh, you're not from here. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Oh, yes, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, they, they always think, so unfortunately, that we're English because our, our accent is so very different. So they're like, oh, Ontario, right. you're English. No, no, no. There's 600,000 of us in Ontario. It's not a small community. It's pretty big. And it's right. mostly all north. Right. Um, I know there are right. some communities down south, but it seems to be the northern communities are the ones that fight the, the loudest and the strongest. <laughs> really? Mm hmm So is, is there a big sense of, um, like, cultural pride, like needing to retain this yeah, identity? Yeah, absolutely. We have our own special day. We actually celebrate Franco-Ontarian really? Day. We have our own flag that was conceived really? in the 90s. Yeah. And not, not to you know, promote my podcast, but I did do a, an, a small episode on that just to explain my heritage a little bit. 
So you yeah, can I check noticed it out. <laughs> you had an episode in French. Yeah, is well, that the episode in French? I've had a few. Is that um, a... Yeah, so I have the, this one's the Pitsy Pod. So it's, I do it in French, but I explain the history in English, just so that way my okay. English friends could understand what the history is. But then I interview right. Francophones. So you can actually kind of hear right. differences in accents, because I did get people from right. different backgrounds. And they say, you know, why they're proud to be French or Francophone. So there's right. a bit that's in French. It's a bilingual episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I, I did remember. do a French episode, like a full French, just with uh, somebody who was completely yeah, which, French. Which, yeah, which I'm going, I'm going to listen to. And actually, oh. <laughs> I'll ask you for some, um, for some French podcasts, if you know any, so that I can kind yeah, of I do. practice a little bit and listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I remember uh, in school growing up, we'd always do... Uh, La Semaine Francophone, mm-hmm. and it'd be like a big celebration. We'd always have uh, Cabana Sucre and uh, and like have this whole week of just like enjoying these things. So th- are those things that um, that you guys would do growing up as well? Well, it's hard to define to me because it's just how I grew up, right? Um, right, So there's right. probably a mixture, a cultural mixture of, you know, Quebec French and Franco-Ontarian French. Because, I mean, we did right. go through Quebec to come to Ontario, our ancestors. Right. Um, so we do have, like, like Cabana Suc, which is the sort of sugar shack or maple shack, however you want to call it. Um, we did yeah. have a sugar shack locally when I grew up. So I used to go all the time. My husband actually worked in this, like, pulling sleds with horses and dumping maple syrup. And he actually worked there as a teenager. So, but unfortunately, it's closed really? now. Yeah. Yeah, so we did pour, you know, hot maple syrup on snow and then you roll it with a little popsicle stick and then it's like a lollipop, a little candy. Um, My mom makes a lot of tourtière, a very traditional, you know, sort of meat meat pie, but like a French-Canadian or Franco-Ontarian meat pie. There's different types. Um, For music, a lot of it is uh, like similar, I guess, to the East Coast. There'd be some fiddling. There's this little like, it's a little wooden statuette, like a bonum, we call it, like a little man, little person. Okay. It's a little wooden statuette yeah. that you kind of make dance on a flat piece of wood. So the, the feet kind of really? almost tap dance. And it's kind of used okay. almost in a musical sense. So it's a weird, I don't know, my uncles did it. I don't know if it's traditional or not, but I remember growing up with that. A lot of uh, harmonica, huh. like music Quebec and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That is, that is really cool. And do, so um, another thing that I, in my head, have always associated uh, with uh, French Canadians is the spoons. Because that's like... Yeah, playing the spoons. play the spoons. Yeah. <laughs> I in, do play the spoons. My kids, unfortunately, don't. But I do. Yeah. 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 It's something you just pick up. I do. I know. It's weird. Yeah. I Well, here's... I don't realize how weird it thing. is until I go somewhere and I start playing the spoons. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah. This is bizarre to everybody else. <laughs> so I, I've I've done the exact same thing. I've, like, picked them up. And I, I mean, I can't... I wouldn't say that I play the spoons. Well, I mean, um, I'm not but terribly I, good, maybe, you but know, I try. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I, I picked up a couple spoons once. Just, like, put them between my fingers mm-hmm. and uh, started playing a little music. And, and everybody's like, what? And I was like, these are the spoons. It's an instrument. And yeah. they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you back face so, your spoon. So your, your inner, the yeah. inner part of the spoon faces out. And so the two backs are touching. Yeah. And it's how you hold it in yeah. your fingers. You kind of have a finger in between the, the stem yeah. part. And then you just kind of, I don't know, almost like a, like a maracas, like those uh, Spanish 
like symbols, yeah, those yeah, little yeah, finger yeah. symbols. Kind of that same yeah, idea with yeah. the rhythm and the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll have to put a link in the show notes yeah. for the spoons because there are some really cool videos on YouTube of oh, people sure. who are like wildly talented. Yeah, oh, I, some people are insane. Yes, absolutely. I yeah. can do the rhythmic. I can follow uh, along. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I don't drop um, the spoons, essentially, so, so I'm that good, but that's about it. <laughs> right, exactly. You can you can keep them in your hands. Yeah. Um, so so having all, all of this culture, um, like, do you, do you keep that um, with yourself now? Like, is that something that you continue to carry on with your own family? Absolutely. And, uh, uh, thankfully, my husband yeah. is from the same area, so in a way that works out okay. really well. We have a very similar culture, similar language similar beliefs, I guess. Um, right. And then with the kids growing up, it was difficult. It was less difficult when the oldest was younger. There's a 10 year span between all the kids. So the oldest, it seemed like the French was more prevalent and then it's just becoming more and more English in our region. I would say maybe 40% of my town is French now. So it's flipped quite a bit in the last 40 years. Right. Yeah. Whereas it was 70% before, mm-hmm. right? I would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing. Yeah, because yeah. you could walk into yeah. any store and speak French to anybody. But now you can't. It's right. not like that right. at all. Yeah. Interesting. And so mm-hmm. how does that how does that make you feel, like, having that change uh, go on in your town? It's funny. So I never really thought about it, how hard we seem to fight for our culture, until a friend of mine who's mm-hmm. Franco-Ontarian went to Quebec. She worked there for, I don't remember, three, four years and she said the most surprising part was how much they take it for granted to be French in Quebec. And there's just not really? that this, not to say they don't appreciate their language or culture, not at all. But we have a different right, kind of fire. Right. We have this fire to just right. don't take our rights away. Don't take away, you know, our culture. Don't take, we, we just have this fire that we want to keep going. It's so important for our kids to start off in French, go to full French schools. Right. You know, just speak French in the house right. constantly until they're old enough to be able to manage both and understand their culture. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a fire that just so, doesn't seem to be there. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I mean that makes sense. You mm-hmm. know, um, Minority, right? <laughs> in Alberta, I'm not, yeah, like, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, no, like, I can't speak English everywhere I go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it is, it, I guess it's something that I don't experience myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because most places that I go, I am the majority, right? Uh, so what is that, uh, like, what do you, what do you do other than obviously like teaching your kids and like encouraging them? Um, what other things do you do to try and maintain that, uh, relationship with your language and culture? That's, that's a difficult question. I mean, you know, we just keep doing the traditions that we grew up with essentially, and mm-hmm. hopefully my kids will do that with their kids. You know, it, it's not really yeah. um, on purpose kind of thing. Besides, you know, uh, Franco-Ontarian Day, we have huge celebrations. We have the raising of our Franco-Ontarian flag. I'm very proud of all that thing, all those things, I mean. Um, but it's not like a conscious thing. It is when, or sorry. Right. It was when my kids were younger, right? Because it was right. such a push to make sure they were French. And as they've gotten older, right. I mean, I have teenagers and adults now, so it's kind of a different setup, <laughs> if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, the teenagers are not interested in their francophone background right now, for the most part. So they all want right. to fit in kind of thing. Um, 
But right. the adults is different. I had one daughter who spent a long period of time in England. So she was far removed okay. from her Francophone roots. And when yeah. she came back, she just said, wow, like I never realized how important my culture was to me. So that kind of thing, that makes you yeah. feel good and know that you're, you know, just keep doing what you're doing kind of thing. I know some people fight right. much harder than I do. I'm not an activist. I just, I love yeah. to live my own culture and I, I respect anybody who doesn't want to live it. Right. Yeah. That is an interesting, um, like an interesting idea uh, to be living your own culture and, uh, and to just kind of let other people live theirs. Right. So what... Um, I don't know, what kind of things do you think would be cool for, uh, for people of other cultures to adopt of your culture? Well, I mean, the maple syrup on snow is pretty cool. That seems to be a favorite among I mean, my I English friends. That, <laughs> that yeah, seems to yeah. be, yeah, they're always like, oh, can we do the maple syrup on snow? I'm like, well, it's July, so that's not going to work. There's no <laughs> snow. But, you know, um, yeah. no, I mean... Honestly, the language, I wish that we were better regarded. You know, I've studied, I've studied some yeah. linguistics. So I wish that we had more, um, more things recorded using sort of my grandmother mm. who's now passed, you know, her, her dialectical differences. And I, I wish we had studied that a little more to have a little more of the richness right. that we, we do carry. So you know, right. similarly to understanding another language, sometimes you pick a region. You're like, I really like the dialect of this region. So I'm learning this mm -hmm. dialect of the language. You know, Spanish in Mexico versus Spanish in Spain or Spanish in Venezuela or whatever. You kind of pick the culture right. you really enjoy. So when it comes to French, it seems to be confusing for people because they don't understand how many dialectical differences we can have across. I mean, Canada's right. massive, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, it never occurred to me that there would be such a difference between, like, Quebec and Northern Ontario. Oh, gosh. You know, in, in the language you speak. Mm -hmm. Really. And we so, use old um, expressions, like really old expressions. Like, we'll say Shaw instead really. of car. So Shaw comes from, like, sort of chariot way back in the day. Right. You know, or we'll use... Interesting. Um, like embark in a car, which sounds really bizarre, but we used to have boats. I mean, we're the, Ontario's, you know, the fur trades and a lot of the uh, coureurs right. de bois and a lot of uh, nature. So we would embark in a boat while we now embark in a car. And that's such a Franco-Ontarian thing to say. I don't know in Quebec, in some of the regions, they might say that, but it seems to be more popular right. in our region from what I can tell. I haven't visited all of Quebec, so I can't speak for all of it. <laughs> right, right. That, that is really interesting um, how that, you know, in one country, how it just kind of diverges and splits and some things stay and some things go. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever had the experience where you're, you know, in Quebec and you said Shao and they're like, what? Like, what, what are you yeah. talking oh, about? Oh, absolutely. Um, I went really? to a summer camp when I was about like 12 or 13. I can't quite remember. And it was in Quebec. Yeah. So it was around the, the border of Ontario, Quebec, right? It was not quite Mo Montreal right. and not quite Ottawa. It's kind of in between. And right. I would say 98% of the people there were from Quebec. I think there was maybe another really? Ontarian. Yeah. And right. they couldn't believe how I spoke French. They kept saying, well, I just speak English. I'm like, no, I'm French. Like, I don't really speak English. I just, this is my accent. This is how we say things. So it was very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. 
That is interesting. Uh, did you feel like there was um, like prejudice against you for that? Um, I think, I don't know if it's a prejudice as much as some ignorance and not ignorance in sort of the negative sense, but more in the, the way we use it in French, which just means you don't know. Um, so I'm not saying it right. negatively yeah. when I'm saying ignorance. I think there's just an ignorance because, again, their province is very francophone, very French. Right. And our province yeah. is bilingual. So it's mm -hmm. like they don't understand how those two can live together, possibly. I'm not sure. I really don't know why. But I mean, I have, you know, some aunts that don't speak English at all and they live in Canada. You know, they live really? in Quebec. So they don't need English right. at all. Yeah. Right. That is really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I so I know in Canada you you have a right to any government service in English or French, mm -hmm. no matter where you are. Yes, in Canada, federal, federally, um, yes, federally, yeah. Um, which is a really interesting thing to to see French and English on everything, um, and uh, and it's interesting because in Alberta, where I'm from. It's kind of like, well, why do we have all these things in French when, mm -hmm. you know, everybody here speaks English, right? And whereas I imagine for you, it's a little bit different. Like it makes sense. Um, it does, yes. To have these things in French, right? But uh, Alex, you... just, just read about uh, Louisbourg and how many times that fort was passed between British and French. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you'll kind of be like, huh, okay, so we, we do, you know, we do have a lot of history between the French and the English. <laughs> yeah, and it, it is really interesting mm -hmm. um, to, to be a, one of the few bilingual countries, right? Absolutely. Um, so have you had any, like, do you tend to use services in French? I do, especially like, when I call. That... Those toll-free numbers or whatnot, I always get better service right. in French, yeah. which I know sounds terrible, but generally the wait times are shorter. I generally get somebody from the East Coast, like New Brunswick or Quebec, Yeah. So yeah. I, it's just, it's nice. They're just, they're friendly and not saying English people aren't friendly. That's not what I'm saying, but they're always right, friendly. Right. They're, you know, they're more than willing to help. They have a hard time with my accent sometimes, which would be expected, but I just make sure to pronounce a right. little clearer and not mangle it like I would normally. Um, right. So I absolutely use the government services in French all the time, all the time. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. I've always I've always thought about pushing the button for French, you but I don't, I don't think I could get far enough. I, I I'd probably get in there and be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna switch oh, to English." Sorry, yeah. for wasting your time. You do yeah, know that they're know. probably bilingual, right? Like, just so you know, because sometimes that's be, true. It'll I, be a hard French for them, and I'll be like, you know, I do speak English. If you need to do this in English, so okay. sometimes you, you can get so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because then I mean, then I'd skip the wait times. Right? I know, it's Then terrible, but it get, works. Get <laughs> Don't yeah, give away yeah. all my secrets here, Alex. <laughs> just, just, hit, just hit French, and then Hope you get when they come on, just be like, oh, I meant, I meant to say, I went to press English, sorry. Uh, Oops. Oh, that's no, okay, I speak do English. <laughs> don't do that, don't do that. Yeah, maybe that's abusing no. the system. Um, no, but I, but yeah. That's, I, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, Uh, that that you've had that experience uh, you mentioned that you've studied a little bit more into linguistics mm -hmm. uh, would you like to talk a little bit oh my education and, uh, it's, and what it's you've a done disaster yeah. sure <laughs> um, tell me about it oh gosh well it intersperses with my family life if that's okay it's kind of going to explain everything at once 
Um, so yeah, yeah, I please. met my husband to be at that point, I guess, <laughs> when I was 17 um, in a library. Mm-hmm. He apparently saw me in the library and that was it for him. I don't, I don't quite remember that moment, but he said it so many times I can imagine it because all I did really? was read. I was, I'm not very extroverted as much as people think I am. Um, I'm very introverted. So he found me in the library. Thank goodness. Or else I would probably still be in the library. Um, and, <laughs> and we actually got married very young. We got married. I was 19. He was 20. We were together two years and he went away uh, back in the day. There was a grade 13. So back in the day. He went away to Ottawa University, which is, you know, a solid, well, back then would have been like probably six or seven hour drive. Now it's a little faster. Okay. Um, and we, again, pre-internet or, you know, cusp of internet in 95-ish, we would write right. letters. We would do uh, long distance phone calls, which back in the day would cost you like, you know, I don't know, 50 cents a minute or something insane. It was like $200 phone calls. And we were both very broke, so we took turns paying for that. Um, And then he said, you know what, I want to come back, you know, to to our town and go study at the university there and let's get married. Let's do it. And I said, absolutely, you're the one. So I was just waiting for you to come back, you know. Um, So, yeah, so we got married and I was in my first year university and he was in his second at the local university here. And I ended up getting pregnant right away. We were very surprised. My parents had a lot of trouble um, getting pregnant, so we did not think that. Well, I mean, it was it wasn't it was a surprise, but not unplanned. We knew we wanted right. children fairly early, uh, so it was a right. very very good surprise. We were very very happy about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we thought it would take a year yeah. or two or ten, you know, who knows? Um, right. So for my second year, I had my daughter two weeks into the semester. I had her in September, and I wow. kept going to school. So to backtrack a little bit, I was studying translation and interpretation. So I was doing French and okay. English, but I took Spanish and Latin too, just for fun. And Oh, cool. Yeah. And the second year, it was a very small program. We were about like 12, maybe, in my year. It was a very, very small program. Uh, the teacher okay. came up to me and said, you know, I don't like giving you the notes I'm giving you this semester because you're sleep deprived. You just had a baby. You're, you know, your brain's not working very well right now. And you yeah. don't deserve these grades, but I can't give you higher so at that point, I decided to finish my year. I did a few summer classes just to round out my sort of my first two years of university. And then I quit. Yeah. And then I said, I'll come back someday. So yeah. fast forward 10 years later, we then had seven kids. And I still wasn't ready to go back to university. So I waited till just before I turned 40. And I went back. But they didn't have my program anymore. Big surprise. It was a tiny program. <laughs> So I transferred from sort of a linguistic backdrop to history, which I've always enjoyed. Well, I didn't like, I didn't like the World War history in high school, so I can't say I always enjoyed that. But I love medieval history. Always have castles and knights and all that fun stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. So I focused on history. So I did a major in history, a minor in linguistics, since I already had a lot of the background background on that. And I graduated right. last year, and now I'm doing my master's in Viking studies. Uh, through an online platform, a university in Scotland, and then hopefully jumping cool. into my doctorate in September. So I'm I'm an old student. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's that's awesome. That is super cool. Um, and I mean that you that you studied languages and history. I imagine um, studying history and languages like they really complement each other. They do. Yes. Right. 
Um, were there any times where you were, you know, sitting in a class and you're like, oh, well, I understand that because I learned about this in another class? Yeah, um, but that was more because I learned other languages, to be honest. I mean, the linguistic right. part of it helps you understand. Um, sorry, the culture part of it helps you understand the linguistics sometimes. So in a language, right. you might have, you know, like 10 words for mist. Well, it's because it's a peoples that were that lived in a place where there's a lot of different types of fog and mist and whatnot. So yes, of right. course, they would have a ton of different words for that. Um, kind of like yeah. here, we have a lot of words for snow, not not like snow but the types of snow so like a slushy snow a wet right. snow we seem to have a lot of different ways to describe snow in our region because we have right. a lot of snow <laughs> so right. the linguistics yeah. is helpful that way in history where you kind of understand the culture a little better and you kind of understand the linguistics a little better i, I find it's a really good compliment mm -hmm. hmm. yeah that would be really cool um and so what was i guess so you said you uh, French and English, obviously, um, and then Spanish and Latin. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, at 12 years okay, old, so I... Tell, tell me about that. <laughs> at 12 years old, I went to the library. This is where you could always find me when I was a kid. And I decided yeah. to learn Spanish. I don't remember how. I think I read a part of a book and it had something in Spanish. And I went, ooh, that's pretty. I want to learn that. As one of those yeah. ADD moments, I guess. I don't know. Um, right. And back in the day, it was little cassette tapes you could rent from the library called the Berlitz Travel Tapes. So when you went to travel somewhere, they had sort of like Duolingo for travelers, I guess, but through a cassette tape. Okay. So I listened to that quite a bit and I repeated after the girl. And eventually I learned enough Spanish that when I took it in university, I was in uh, beginner Spanish, but I've, it was a very easy course just because of interest, I guess, too. And the French backdrop, obviously the grammar was very similar, you know, similar things right. to Spanish. So it's not right. the same language, but it's got a lot of the similar bases make right, it easier right. anyway mm -hmm. yeah i i know for myself whenever i hear somebody speaking spanish i can pick up the odd yeah the odd thing where i'm like oh they're having a conversation yeah. about that <laughs> about cool. apples you know okay <laughs> about <Yeah>. apples <laughs> neat yeah. you know i don't know what they're saying um, they're rotten or they're good but you know it's apples yeah but pretty like, much <laughs> it's apples awesome um yeah that's exactly what it is that's mm -hmm. exactly right uh so then, then Latin, like why, why Latin? Uh, Where did that come from? And what, what like fascination what with Latin, fascination with old languages. And I guess it started young. Right. Um, my husband actually took a class. He is not a linguist. He is a computer science. He's an engineer. He's a computer engineer. Okay. So he is definitely not a linguist, but he's pretty good in languages or he was, he's lost obviously since he hasn't done it in a while. Um, but he right. took Latin with me. So we actually had an inscription on our wedding bands when we got married in uh, Latin, half on mine, half on his just to kind of celebrate mm. our Latin love, I guess. We just like right. the prayers in Latin are really cool. Um, you know, stories in Latin, it's, it's just such a beautiful language. It, it's very pretty sounding. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, not to say that we pray in Latin or anything like that, but we found some prayers in Latin and thought, this is really cool. It sounds way prettier yeah. than in English or French. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? That's interesting. Do you, well, think of like, like songs, Christmas songs. They're always prettier in Latin, right? That's true. See? That is true. Yeah. We're actually, uh, yeah, in, in choir, we're doing doing a song in Latin, and it's the prettiest one. It is. Right. Absolutely. So I wanted um, to learn that, and Jamie, my husband, decided to also. So. Yeah. Yeah. That is really cool. Um, do you mind sharing what the inscription on your wedding band Yeah. No, says? it's, uh, well, we're Catholic, 
And so we took the yeah. Corinthians prayer, which are, I don't know what it's called in English, but the Corinthians, which is the classic wedding okay. uh wedding text which is you know love is kind love is patient love is whatever so we did right. uh, amor patiens certus omnia vincit which is love is patient love is kind or love is certain and will never be vanquished so that's her so we have like half and half but we've since lost right. our wedding band so we actually don't have it anymore but oh. we, we should really get you ones <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what happens you've been married that's too long <laughs> that's that's beautiful yeah I, I guess you guys have been married a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. Getting a married bit. at nineteen mm-hmm. and twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, Going on wow. twenty-four and, years uh, this year. And, yeah, <laughs> long time. Wow. Yeah. And so, what's like, like what? Um, I guess what's been your experience with marriage? I guess then, with like, marriage? that twenty-four years. What's oh. yeah? What's like? What's that like to to be with somebody? And you've had you mentioned you had seven kids. Yeah. Like what? What is? What's that whole experience about? I think it's the best thing in the world. And even if we fight, even if it doesn't matter what happens, he is absolutely my best friend. And I know it's very, very yeah. cheesy to say that, but we've been together now, I guess almost 26 years we've been together. So he, yeah. he, I can tell him literally anything and I know that he won't judge me or hate me or whatever, right? It, it's perfect. Yeah. And I've been with him longer than without, which we hit that mark at one point, which was very bizarre. Like when we were together for 19 years, I yeah. said, I've now been with you longer than, you know, alone. Um, and wow. honestly, I had some uh, health scares uh, recently and he just, it's amazing to have somebody there for you. And he just took over yeah. our whole lives, just a hundred percent, no complaint. I would do the same for him. So I know it's, you know, right. And I'm sure it was hard and I'm sure it was really sucky <laughs> sometimes. It wasn't fun. Yeah. But it's really, really great to have somebody there. And I know when he's going through difficult times, I have no problem being there for him too. You know, and yeah. the kids, well, we definitely have to be a united front when you have that many kids. So that's always interesting. Yeah. I know you come yeah. from a big family, so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you have to yeah. make sure you're yeah. united yeah, or else I that's totally... it. It just ramshawed, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that... That's awesome that you've been able to, you know, spend more than half your life mm-hmm. with somebody and, and to have that close relationship with them. And we drive each other nuts um, like everybody else. I mean, that's, it's like having I mean, you siblings, have to. right? It's the same. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And, uh, and so what's like, I guess maybe what's the single biggest piece of advice you would <laughs> give to anybody who is like, New to marriage or old to mm-hmm. marriage, like what's the biggest thing you've you've it's learned and cheesy. that you would like to share? <laughs> super Please. cheesy. Choose love every day. Just say choose love. Yep, every day. This is it. This is what I want. Just choose it every day. It'll hmm. make it better. Because there's some days where you're I like, like I don't like you very much right now. I love you, but I don't like you. I'm not very happy with you. Yeah, which is okay. Yeah, you know we're humans. We have emotions. Hmm. We're not robots. But just choose it every day. Purposely choose it. And because this yeah. is the choice you made, so keep at it, you know, work through it. Yeah. Obviously talk. I like that. All of that. Conversation. Yeah. Communicate, yeah, like be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, That's the normal relationship right, right. advice for even friendships and, you know, motherhood yeah. and <laughs> all of it. But yeah, choose love. Yeah. Just choose it every day. That's awesome. And uh, obviously um, – You've you had your kids in ten years, all yeah. seven in ten years. Yeah, that's a little tough wow. on the body. Yeah, <laughs> like that's like 
one after the other. Pretty much. Um, yeah, within two years of each so other. So what, um, what's been like the experience of being a mother of seven yeah. been like for you? It's like, I don't really know how to be a mother of one, so I wouldn't be able to compare. But I was an only child for a long time. <laughs> Um, my brother right. and I have a huge age span. My, my parents ended up having a second child in their 40s. So uh, really? there's a huge gap between the two of us. I mean, I got married. He was three. So, you know, <laughs> really, we, wow. we kind of grew up as only children. We're kind of a really weird sibling, uh, sibling relationship. Yeah. So I do know being an only child, I can kind of imagine how it would be to have only one or maybe even two children. But having yeah. a large family, it, you're always aware that whatever you do with one, you have to make sure to do with the others. There's right. always a guilt involved right. with that where, you know, the oldest and the youngest, obviously your style of discipline might change or new things yeah. might happen or even personalities. I mean, we have some that, you know, you needed more, let, let's say a stronger, a firmer hand not like physically, mm -hmm. but like a firmer hand when it came to dealing with them. And some you needed are just a right. really gentle hand because they just couldn't handle a firmer hand. So right. the personality differences is a lot to manage. It's exhausting most of the time. I mean, I, as people yeah. would think, but I much prefer when they were younger. I love my kids, by the way. Really? <laughs> but the teenage times <laughs> are not fun. I'm not enjoying. I mean, there's parts I like, but for the most part, I like, you know, up to 12 and then after 20. <laughs> that seems yeah, to be, I, yeah. I, yeah, I I personally have gotten the same vibe from my parents. <laughs> that, oh, I mean, I still love I them. Can tell, There's, you, know. <laughs> you know, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a different challenge. Absolutely, yeah. It's a right? very, it's, I just didn't know if I had all the tools when we came through some right. really, really difficult times with some of our kids. And there are always different types of difficult times. And I think that's the harder part. When they're younger, right. you know, a flu is a flu is a flu. It doesn't matter which kid has it. Some might whine more. Some might be more sick. But at the end of the day, it's still managed right. essentially the same. I think when it comes to right. teenagehood, their issues, and especially from, I went from, you know, a child who social media wasn't really a thing too much. It was just starting to now my teenagers right. are, it's social media. I mean, it's 2020. So you have a lot right. of social media issues you have to deal with that we never had to deal with before. So I feel like my toolbox is kind of empty a little bit when it comes to these things. I don't have the right tools. You know, it's very hard to manage. Yeah. So how are you trying to adapt to that oh, change? It's difficult. Thankfully, I mean, again, you know, we're a united front and we discuss a lot. And nicely enough, our older kids are ready and willing to give us advice because we say, you know, mm -hmm. we're, I mean, we are young parents, you know, we're in our forties and we have mm -hmm. adults, so we are young parents, but still it's been 20 years and, you know, again, social media wasn't a thing. So we need to manage that if you will. Um, it's a lot yeah. of trial and error, like anything else. It really is. It's, you know, with one kid, you have to make sure you're listening, but you have to make sure they're listening to you too. So it's always that balance right. of, you know, how much you want to I don't know, tell them <laughs> and right. how much they'll absorb what you're telling them, which is probably a very minute yeah. percentage at, you know, the teenage stage, but hopefully yeah. it's still getting through and they'll get it later yeah. on and they'll understand why you said what you said or did what you did or punished how you punished or whatever. So I don't really have an right. answer for you, Alex. Sorry. It's just a work in progress. No, that, <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I imagine that it would be, you know, um, cause I, I look at my own life and the way that I've developed, like it wasn't 
you know, like my parents talked to me and I was like, oh yeah, I get that. Okay. Thanks dad. You know, and then you like do something else <laughs> five years later. It's like, oh, like, oh, you know, crap. dad yeah. told me about that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so maybe how have you, how have you seen that in your older kids? How mm -hmm. have you seen that they've kind of come to these realizations and kind of grown up into their own people? Yeah. Well, my oldest and I had a rough teenage, uh, teenagehood, but she ended up well, not but, but she ended up moving away, not not because of us or anything, but mm -hmm. she ended up going to school away from, a few hours away from here. And uh, we still kept yeah. in contact, obviously, but we had a lot of personality differences, especially me and my daughter. My husband seemed to be more in tune with her, her personality or whatever, however you want to put it. Right. Um, so there's a lot more butting heads with me and her. And her going away was very difficult for everybody, obviously. I mean, it's hard when your child leaves. And she was young. She was turning yeah. 17. I mean, she was very young. Um, but she wanted oh, to really? go to school and she wanted to do this program and she was successful. She graduated. We were super proud of her. Um, and then she went and she worked out of the country. She went to England for a while and she worked out there. She was very successful out there. She made friends and just had a really nice experience. She loves traveling now, obviously. And, yeah. But then she came back and she's back at university doing another degree and wants to teach. And um, she's just doing great. Actually, she got engaged. She's getting married this summer. So things are moving That's along. Exciting. Yeah. So she's definitely into ad yeah. adulthood. You know, we've successfully, hopefully, got her to adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, so, okay. So what's that like as a parent to like, um, to like see see that happen to see her become her own person it's weird because like it doesn't feel like you did that I, I don't know how to explain it more than that right. so I, I remember her being a baby like to me it's weeks ago I remember her squishy cheeks right. and like her smell and like the little fuzzy hair and I remember all of that yeah. you know her toddling walk and the way she used to talk I remember all that even without videos because um, we don't have a ton of videos from the 90s and Right. I still remember that. And then I see her and I'm like, wow, like she's such a person, you know? And I, I knew yeah. that growing up that she became a person. I, I kind of knew what her personality was becoming. It wasn't a big surprise yeah. that she ended up how she was. But there's lots of facets that you don't expect um, with each yeah. of your kids. That is just stunning. It's like, wow, like how did you get this? It's, it's amazing. I love yeah. it. It's fantastic for you to have that. I don't have that, yeah. you know, that confidence or whatever it is, depending on what kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they become their own people. And it, it's such a weird extension because it doesn't sometimes feel like yours, especially when they're adults. Like right. she's mine, but she's not. She's yeah. her own person. Right. So. Right. Mm -hmm. But then she'll do something. That's I'm like, oh yeah, you're so my daughter. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You're like, okay. Yeah. We yeah. Are yeah. I did that like, too. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a nice reminder mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I guess kind of um, leading into kind of the last segment of, of the episode where we talk about your future and, and what's coming up. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned you have a daughter getting married, mm -hmm. which is awesome. You're going to uh, do a doctorate program. Hopefully. Which is I got to awesome. get accepted first. <laughs> uh, hopefully. And so like, so... Uh, first maybe what what are you doing or hoping to do your yeah. doctorate program in um well i i used to teach so actually i used to teach fsl which is french second language i taught it to adults okay so when the kids were okay. younger i was teaching at night not every night but maybe three nights a week 
um, when my husband would come home from work. So I kind of got a little bit of intellectual time for me, which was nice. A little adult talk, which was also nice. Um, So I really enjoyed the teaching aspect of that, of the job. I I just really love teaching and I love learning, but I apparently also love teaching. And I do have to preface this by saying pretty much my whole family they're all teachers, <laughs> like my parents. Really? My mom was a teacher for a while. She's a nurse or retired, but yeah, yeah. So it's just it's in our blood. My brother now teaches too, and he's a nurse. So it's really? just in there. Yeah. Um, so I've always wanted to go back to teaching, but I didn't mm-hmm. want to teach kids because I've had enough. Even though I love my kids, and I didn't want to teach teenagers. Yeah. Definitely not now. Maybe <laughs> maybe later in life, but definitely not now because yeah. I have teenagers. And I always enjoyed teaching adults. That just seemed to be what I enjoyed. So I really wanted yeah. either a college or a university, which, you know, in Canada is different than elsewhere. But um, unfortunately, the colleges around here, they don't have a history or linguistics. It's um, trades, which I don't have a trade, so I can't do that. Um, right. And I, I really love university. I just love the feel of it. I love... Uh, the people, I, yeah. I I haven't really had bad experiences, you know, with teachers. Mm. I mean, I've had, you know, not so great teachers possibly, but never had a terrible experience. I've always enjoyed academia, um, academic journals, you know, that kind of stuff. I love all that stuff. So yeah. hopefully I can get published someday. I'm working on it. <laughs> That'd be um, awesome. And I'm doing Viking studies. So... I got interested mostly in medieval history, early medieval, so Celtic. Um, for fun, I started learning Gaelic, so that's two years ago, and right. I kind of took a bit of a break when I got ill, um, but I'm, yeah. I'm still an intermediate learner at this point, and um, I wanted to do Celtic, but I, I didn't want to do the Celtic study programs that I found. They weren't a good fit, or they weren't online for the most part. That was a hard, mm. a hard thing, too. I needed an online uh, learning um, right. So I could still work here and there and help the kids and do things around the house, whatever. Um, I also have, I've had a photography company for 12 years. Uh, we do weddings, okay. but we also do families Yeah. and we're slowing down on the weddings yeah. a little bit and helping out, you know, second shooting for other people now and stuff like that. So we prefer doing families right now just because right. that's where we're at, I guess. We might do weddings again later, mm-hmm. but we haven't given up. Uh, this is the first time I say it, by the way. This has been kind of a small secret where we just don't do as many weddings as we used to. You're just kind of changing. Yeah. Changing up Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, my dad had a health scare. It was fairly serious uh, cancer a few years ago. And I think that's when we kind of said, hmm, like he's getting older. He's turning 80 this year. So he's getting up there. Wow. Yeah. He says he'll finally yeah. be a little old man because he's 80. So before he wasn't, now he might be. So <laughs> he's very funny. Yeah. Um, so we kind of realigned a little bit and my husband's mom also got ill. So it just, it, we said, you know, weddings, it's every single Saturday, all summer. We yeah. don't get to spend time with our family as much as we want. Let's just pull back a little bit. So we pulled back this year and then we'll see next year where we're at. Uh, we don't, we shoot about yeah. half of what we used to shoot. And uh, we're trying to shoot more families. That sounds so bad. We're trying to photograph more families. <laughs> <laughs> I shoot babies I for a living. Yeah, no, wait. That doesn't sound right. Don't put it's... that in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we photograph. Um, so we prefer photographing families at this point. It's just we still get the contact and still get the enjoyment of meeting all the families and people. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's always going to be a part of me. I've been taking pictures since I was 10. 
back in the film day. So, right. yeah, yeah, it's never going to go away. We have nice equipment. I'm going to use it. <laughs> I mean, you should, right? Yeah. 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 If you if you have the toys, use them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That, uh, so, but I I'm hoping to go more into academia for my own intellectual purposes. Yeah. I I feel like I've put that on hold quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the past twenty years, and I feel like this is almost like a second stage to my life. I guess midlife crisis here yeah. I come, you know, and I went back to school. Um, I guess it's a good kind of midlife crisis, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a change, right? Yeah, it's no, a midlife yeah. change. It is, right? yeah. It's pretty funny because my That's one awesome. daughter went to university uh, a year before me, and yet I somehow graduated before her because I only, really? yeah, I only had half of a degree to do, right? I still had the, the first oh, half right. that counted, yeah. so it was yeah. pretty funny. She's like, this is not fair. I started before you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, so then you're... You know, the kids are you're, growing you're up studying all yeah, of this stuff. Yeah, that's the future. Like, yeah, yeah, like a lot, a lot's changing for Absolutely. you. And I wish we could have talked more about your photography because uh. that's something that me and my family are, love. Yeah. Um, oh, you can call me anytime. <laughs> yeah, like it, I might have to have you on again down the line uh. once I start reusing guests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when um, they come back. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess then. Um, like you have all this ahead of you. Like, I mean, it's almost like you have a whole nother life ahead of yeah. you, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so what, looking, looking forward to, I guess, the rest of it, and uh, when you see yourself at the end of your life, you know, 100 years old, 150 <laughs> if we're lucky, Who right? Who knows, yeah. Um, what like what are you looking back on like what have you accomplished what's what are the things you're most proud of well I would say my family which is such a typical answer but right. you know like I said you make little people and they're little people at first and they're little babies and they don't really have a personality maybe right off the bat I think they do but some people don't I don't know um right I, I felt like my kids did have a personality but they really develop into different people as they get older and I think looking back, it just it always amazes me where they've where they've come to, where they've ended up themselves so far. And right. Looking forward, I'm definitely looking forward to the rest, which is probably grandkids at some point, I imagine. Um, you yeah. know, and I think that's going to be quite exciting. Every grandparent I know tells me it's the best part of life. So definitely looking yeah. forward to that. And then when I'm close to the end of my days, I'm going to look back and hopefully be able to say, hey, I got published once. Um, maybe yeah. more than that is the goal, but we'll see what happens. And maybe, yeah, hopefully I touch somebody's life, you know, somewhere down the road. Hopefully I did something that helped somebody or, you know, that's kind of what I like to do. So <laughs> I don't know if that's really that's an answer. Awesome. <laughs> no, I, I think that I think that's perfect. Um and, and I mean, um, I guess now is a perfect time to, to plug your podcast. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Not only are you studying history, but yeah. you're talking about it. I do, it. yeah. Uh, do you want to tell everybody about the History A yeah. podcast? Um, I started that last summer. I just felt it's kind of self-serving. And I, I feel funny saying it, but I think it's true when I think about it. I end up talking to people about their topic of choice, their passion, their mm-hmm. something with history. And I end up learning so much in you know the hour yeah. I'm with them 
And it's kind of self-serving. I mean, I end up learning and enjoying meeting people like you, Alex. You know, I've met yeah. so many people online. I've There's some podcasts I listen to that I, f- I feel are just really high-end there. And I contact them and they're like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you want to be on my tiny little podcast, you know. It's so fantastic. Right. And I just basically do... Um, the history of something. That's what I wanted to call it, history of, but that was taken somehow. So I went with like, <laughs> let's be Canadian. And it took me a month to come up with the name, as it always does. Yeah. But history, eh? So I'm Canadian. The history is not necessarily always Canadian. Um, but I'm Canadian. Yeah. So I figure I can I can get away with it. And I yeah. just get to talk to people. I interview them, sort of what you're doing to me, I guess. And they talk about their passion project or their passion topic. Or um, I have some coming up where, you know, it's teachers that wrote a chapter about a specific topic. And when I tell you what it is, you'll be like, huh, that doesn't really sound super interesting. It sounds kind of boring because it's academic. Mm -hmm. But it's incredible when you get them talking about it. And the passion they have just drives you. And you say, I never thought about that. I want to learn more. So I have so many lists of books I need to read. And... I didn't yeah. enjoy modern history so much when I had to do it, had being the thing. I I just, my dad's born during the, the Second War, so I feel like it's very close to me. Um, I feel like the pain, right. everything is just very close to me. So I never really liked learning about it too much. I like the grand lines were fine, but when you started getting into details, I found it, it bothered me a lot. I think that's why I like medieval history, because it's very far. Hmm. Um, but some right. of the modern history topics I did, get a chance to interview people and um that doesn't that's not a sentence but (laughs) there's my french brain coming out i can't make sentences anymore um some (laughs) of the topics that i got to listen to let's say when i interviewed people it was just incredible the modern history aspects that i never thought i'd enjoy that i ended up enjoying Hmm. so podcasts are awesome by the way you learn so much yes and it's not boring. Yeah. It's not, it's always fun. I've not had a bad podcast. Every time I listen to a new one, I'm like, this is so awesome. I don't have time to listen to everything yeah. yet. You know, like I said, I did listen yeah. to your wax museum. I just haven't had a chance to listen to all your episodes yet, but it's, I mean, it's on my list. I keep listening to them when I can. So I'm glad. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I, I, I'm excited to listen to, to more of your show yeah. as well. I've listened to a few episodes. It took me a while after um, Christmas to get back into it. I was ill for a little bit, but I'm, I think I'm better now or I'm getting, yeah. I'm on the mend. So let's say we're, we're heading Good. the right way. Yeah. We should put up more episodes. Good. I'm glad. I have lots to edit. So definitely yeah. yours being one of them, by yeah. the way. <laughs> well, I look forward to it. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, I, I keep looking. I, was I like, know. I'm oh, sorry. Mine's not out I know. Yet. I know. Not, oh you know. my gosh. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, but I, I mean, uh, yeah, everybody, everybody go, go and check it out. Um, it's, it's really cool. Like you said, when you get to hear about somebody's passion, mm-hmm. uh, even if, you know, at first you're like, well, that sounds really lame, boring. Right? And then you hear, <laughs> yeah. you hear this passionate, excited, interested person talk about this mm-hmm. thing that they love. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, like, tell me more. This is so cool. I need to go get and, the book. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, and you add it to your long, long, long list. list of book recommendations. When you listen to podcasts, yeah. when you listen to podcasts, your list of book recommendations goes, like, it just, like, increases. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, like you, you get this experience and that's why I love doing this show. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to say thank you oh. for joining me on My Wax Museum. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was super fun, Alex. And thank you for listening, not just to the show, but to the people around you. They have interesting stories to share and interesting lives that they live. So today, I encourage you to take five minutes out of your day to listen intently to the people around you.